0: Well, good morning again, and good to be with you all, church. Thanks, Kate, for the beautiful background music. Thanks, worship team, for leading us this morning. Uh, super excited to be with you. If you're visiting with us, honored to have you. It's an exciting morning. We've got a, a baptism coming in just a, just a few moments, and, uh, and so excited about that. Just it's, it's an exciting morning all around. Um, we're going to be continuing in Ephesians 4. Before we get to um, the text I just read, um, just a couple of things, first of all, I want to just remind you, I know you've already heard the video announcement. You heard me talk about it last week, but we have our fall kickoff night coming up this Friday. It is going to be a big time to be together um, we're going to enjoy a meal together. there's going to be special things for the kids to do and special things for the students to do, special things for the adults to do um, it's going to be a great time, so hopefully it's on your calendar already. If not, make sure you mark this coming Friday uh, six thirty meet us here it's going to be our fall kickoff. Excited about that. All right, so um, as we open up. Uh, This passage today Just a quick reminder of of where we've been So last week we talked about really two primary things One, if you are a Christian, if you're in Christ, if you are saved um, With your salvation comes this gift of grace from the Holy Spirit Which is a calling and and an, an equipping or a gifting to serve Like a supernatural ability to serve And this is oftentimes referred to as your spiritual gift we are going to talk a little bit more about that today. But it, it comes to your calling and your gifting comes with your salvation. It's not like you get saved and now you're on the team and then Jesus is going to wait and see how you do before he decides to put you in. Like no, you, You're in and you have this gift of grace from the beginning of your salvation. And so now what we're going to do is we're going to talk a little bit more about not necessarily the what of your gift, but the why behind it. So we know why we've been given this gift, so we might have some kind of idea of what to do with these gifts that we have as the church. And so in Ephesians 4, we're going to pick this up in verse 11, and so this is the end of last week's sermon, it'll be the same verse, and he, that's Jesus, gave, there's the gift, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherd, and teachers, those are the church leaders, which we talked about last week, so these leaders have been given to the church to do something, to equip the saints, that's you, for the work of ministry, for the building up, for building up the body of Christ, so let's back up a little bit, and let's try to understand fully what's going on here, so the list giving here, we talked about it last week, it's not an exhaustive list, these are just descriptions of roles of leadership in the church, Um, the Bible also describes these roles as pastors, elders, and overseers, okay, and that's the language we use here at Solid Rock, so I, won't be that, I want that to be confusing to you. So these leaders have been given to the church as a gift to do something, to equip the saints. The saints are, that's the entirety of the church membership. That's all who are in Christ, who have gathered together. So I'm, I'm looking at the saints. You're the saints. So church leaders have been given to this church, Solid Rock, to equip the saints for something. I like this word equip Um, It really has kind of two uses in the original language. One is, like you might think of, it's to prepare somebody to be completely adequate or sufficient to do something. So, like, if you were going to join a baseball team and you never played... The coach's responsibility is to equip you and help you become completely adequate to play the game. You may not be the best player on the field, but you'll at least understand pitch count and where to run once you get a hit, if you get a hit. You'll, you'll be adequate to play the game. It's a, it's a bad coach that sticks you in the game without first making sure you're prepared. So that's the first idea of equipped here, that church leaders um, are here to equip the saints, to prepare you for for what you've been called to do. There's a, This word also gets used in uh in the medical field at this day and time and it was the idea of putting a bone back in place whether you had a broken bone or like a hip out of socket or a shoulder out of socket to put it back in place what they would have used the same greek word to put put it back in its rightful place and i like that imagery here because i think that helps us understand if i've been equipped with this gift from god and he's called me to do a thing but i'm not Either I'm unaware or I'm resistant. I'm kind of running the other way. There's going to feel, something's going to feel out of place in my life. And so the, the church leaders are given to equip, to prepare you to do ministry, but also kind of to help set you back in place, find your place. And that was really cool. Hopefully that's helpful to you as you're thinking about what you've been called and gifted to do. Back in Acts chapter 6, verse 4, there's this reminder um, from the apostles about what church leaders are to be doing and we'll, we'll see this come up in a minute in Acts 6 4 says this but we This is the apostles will devote ourselves to doing some things to prayer and to the ministry of the word So one of the primary ways that church leaders It's not the only way but one of the primary ways that church leaders equip you The saints to do the work of ministry is through the ministry of prayer and the word and That's why we have an elder or a pastor lead out in that time of prayer before the sermon the reading of the scriptures, the ministry of the word, the ministry of prayer. Our prayer ministry that's organized behind the scenes is led by one of our elders, by Ken. If you and your family have needs and you say, hey, could I come and have the elders pray over me? The answer is yes. It's our honor. It's more than just our our duty. It's our honor. Like we we enjoy that part of what we've been called to do. The ministry of the word and prayer. I was thinking about an illustration to kind of understand this and um, I have a, so in about I don't know seven years or eight years I have this bucket list thing I want to do. Um, I want to I want to hike from Mexico to Canada on uh, the CDT, the Continental Divide Trail. So this is an annual pilgrimage. About 100, 150 people attempt this every year. Uh, it's the it's the it's the Continental Divide. So it's that place in the continental U.S. where if water falls on one side, it goes. Uh, to the Atlantic, if it falls on the other side, it goes to the Pacific, so there's a trail that goes, you start in Mexico, it takes about four months, and you can end up all the way in Canada, and so it's just a bucket list thing I want to do, I want to go do this, in about seven or eight years after both my kids have graduated and moved on, I want to take a summer and go do this, if I were to invite you to go do this, now there may be some avid hikers in the room, but the vast majority of you, if I called you up, about three months ahead of time i'm calling you and i'm inviting you to take this trip with me and you might say no but if you said yes then that's a pretty good indication of what we're going to be doing the next three months right my job would be then after i've called you and invited you and you've said yes is to now equip you so the first thing we're going to do is we're going to get some gear we're going to get you fitted for a backpack we're going to start getting in shape putting some weight in that backpack and get you a tent make sure you know how to set up your tent Make sure you understand how to filter water and just the, the do's and don'ts of safety, and we're going to go through all that over the next 90 days, so that when it's time to go, you are equipped adequately for the thing you've been invited and called to do. Now, I like that illustration because for, for a lot of us, we think, man, that, that just sounds way bigger than me. There's no way I could do that. Um, I think that's a, kind of a feeling we have when we begin to discover our calling from Jesus. Like, it just feels so much bigger than me. It just, it just seems like that's just too far out. Like, I'm, that's just not something I would be good at. I don't know that I could make it. it. Sounds too hard. And that's why we need these leaders to be given to the church to equip. Right? Just because, like, imagine this. I call you for the same invitation, and I say we're leaving tomorrow. But you're out, most of you. You're like, I don't, know I, I'm out. Why? Because I haven't been equipped. So as you think about your calling... Uh, And the way that you've been gifted to serve in ministry, um, the idea is that you've been called to something bigger than yourself, and you're going to need some help. You're going to need some time to get ready. But that calling was there on day one. You with me? The invitation was there on day one. Now what you need is to be equipped and prepared. The second thing that I want to talk about out of this, and we really hit this last week, so I won't spend a lot of time here, is just doubling down on this idea that all are called and gifted with a spiritual gift of grace. This is not for the, the, the elite Christians, the superstars, the, you know, the, the ones who belong on the stage. They've been gifted. The rest of us, nah, better luck next time. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll be backup. I'll be second string in case that guy goes out, then I can get in the game. But the idea here is, no, 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 every saint has been gifted. And called one of the passages that we we looked at last week is ephesians 4 7 but grace was given to each one of us each one of the saints each one of us according to the measure of christ's gift not according to the measure of how awesome you are how cool you are how smart you are or how successful you've already been in in, you know the 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 non-church world according to christ's gift he just gets to give his gifts away to whomever he wants and all believers have received this gift. We read this in, in uh, first uh, Corinthians last week. I'll just read it again, chapter 12 verses. I'll just read four through six. Now there are a variety of gifts. Later on, we'll hear that we don't all have the same gift, and that's okay. It's a variety of different gifts. but the same spirit. It's the Holy Spirit. There are a variety of services, uh, but there is the same Lord. And there are a variety of activities. So when we think about ministry, this is what's being described here. Gifts, service, activities, but it is the same God who empowers them. Listen, all in who? Everyone. Everyone. Like, let that land on you. Everyone. Yes, it's the way you serve the church and the way you serve the Lord isn't going to look probably the way, that, like what I, how I serve and how this person serves. There's a variety of different ways that we serve but it's the same God who empowers that in all of us. Just briefly, we talked about last week how that that means then whatever God is up to to in you is what he's up to in me is what he's up to in this person over here. So when we bring these gifts to serve together, it's like there's this beautiful unity, like we're working together towards the same end. Now the why behind these gifts, I want to just take a moment to really feel the impact and the weight of this. So why has, why has Jesus chose to do it this way? Why, I don't fully know the answer why. All I know is what he's told us. So why do you have this gift? What's the point? What's the purpose? 1 Corinthians 12, 7, so picking up on where we just left off and reading the next verse, tells us to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit. This, this gift is a manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. In in context, this is talking about the church. It's the common good of the church. I don't don't know everybody in the room. I don't know what giftings you have and what your calling is. But whatever it is, it's for the common good. It's to benefit everybody else in the room. Think about that. You've been given a gift to benefit everybody else in the room. What happens if you withdraw or withhold that gift? The good that we're supposed to experience because of your gifting, we miss out on. This is why I think Peter says something similar in 1 Peter 4.10. He says, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. So now what we're going to do is I just want to dig in for a minute into spiritual gifts. This will not be a comprehensive teaching on spiritual giftings. I'm not going to hit all of them. Um, But I want to let the word of God speak to each of us now. I've proposed some things that maybe you're like, I've never heard that before, or I've heard it before, but I've never experienced it before, and I'm not quite sure what my gifts are. And so let's just let God's Word speak to us for a minute. In Romans chapter 12, listen to how the Apostle Paul describes our individual gifts and how they work together. He says, for as in one body we have many members. So he's going to use your human body as an illustration your body's got a lot of different parts you've got one body many members and the members do not all have the same function right your feet would make really lousy hands unless you got those really long toes where you can grab stuff but like if you have had four feet right you're gonna your feet aren't gonna work good to replace your hands we don't all have the same function so we the church now he's talking about about us though many are one body in christ so the same way I have a body with a lot of members that work together in unison, different functions, but working in unison, he's saying, like, that's how the church is supposed to work. We are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. I want you to think about that for a minute. We, we'll unpack this at another time a little deeper, but the idea isn't, I don't, it's not that I belong to an organization or to a building. I'm a member of the body of Christ, which means I'm a member of you. You see that? You're a member of me. The church is not a building. It's not the soil under this, like, it's the people. So what do you belong to? What are you a member of? You're a member of the body of Christ. And I just love that wording, that we are individually members of one another. And now he's going to address gifts. Having gifts that differ According to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith. So there's a gift that he mentions, prophecy. That's not just telling the future, seeing the future. It's being able to like foretell and also foretell. Okay? It's to speak accurately and supernaturally about what is and what is, to be, what is to be. This gift of prophecy. He mentions another one, if service. In our serving, so serving is a, a gift. Some of you have been gifted with the gift of serving. If the one who teaches and is teaching, it's the gift I'm using right now, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, The one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Seven gifts were just listed here. And the point isn't that Paul lists them all and says these are the only seven gifts that the church has, but these are seven examples of giftings and how we are to use these giftings for the common good. In 1 Corinthians 12, which we were reading a few verses earlier, we read 4 through 6, then we read 7. I'm going to pick this back up and now in verse 8. For to one, one member of the church, is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom. Oh, there's another gift that wasn't even mentioned in Romans 12. Wisdom. To another, the utterance of knowledge. That one wasn't mentioned. According to the same Spirit. To another, faith. By the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing. By the one Spirit. To another, working of miracles. That's a gift that some have. To another, prophecy. There, that one was mentioned in the other passage. To another, the ability to dist- distinguish between spirits. This is what we call discernment. You're able to tell like, what is of God and what is not. What is of Satan versus what of Jesus. You can just discern it. You're with another person. You can just kind of tell if it's good or evil that you're interacting with. To another, various kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. Verse 11 pulls all this together and says, All of these... So nine more gifts were lifted here. listed here. Only one is the same. So now we've got about 15 or so gifts lifted, listed and we can go to other passages and pick up a few more. But all of these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as He wills. I hope you were thinking about yourself here. I don't know what your spiritual gift is, unless I've spent a ton of time with you. If I'm with like Nick Hill or one of the elders, I can tell you what some of their gifts are because I've spent a lot of time with them. But I don't necessarily know what, what gifts maybe you've been given. So how do you then discover what your gifts are? You may have grown up in a church where um, the idea of spiritual gifts was common language, and so you've been taught well and you've been mentored and discipled in the faith in a way where you're like, yeah, I know what. What he means by spiritual gifts and I know how God's gifted me I find that the vast majority of christians today, especially in the american church don't have any idea what their gifts are They've either not stopped to have somebody help them or they just never have even heard about this idea Yet it's all over the new testament that this is how god's designed the church to work And so how do you then go about discovering your gifts? This is just a couple ways here and we won't spend a ton of time on this this morning Um, We actually have a a spiritual gift assessment or analysis that you can take. It's like a a test you can do. Um, We do this in our Welcome to SR class. In the second class, you'll actually get this to take home, and we encourage, I encourage you to do this with a spouse if you have one or somebody that knows you because oftentimes it's like we're answering and based on what we want, not necessarily who we are, and so I always need my wife to go, you really think you're good at that? I I would check the other box, but whatever. Um, So we need somebody to, to be a part of that. But then the second layer which i think is is just as important maybe more important is that you are mentored by somebody by a church leader like that's paul's point here that's part of that equipping that's part of helping you find your place is that spiritual leaders pastors elders overseers are helping you Um, paul alludes to this in his letter to a guy named timothy he's a young pastor he tells Timothy, reminds him of his giftings that he received when the elders laid their hands on him, on young Timothy. And he tells Timothy to fan those gifts into flame. Things that Timothy couldn't see in himself that Paul and other elders saw in Timothy and they spoke it into his life. Said, Timothy, this is how you've been gifted. And, and just a just, just gentle reminder, hey, don't neglect those gifts, Timothy. Instead, lean into them and fan those things into, into flame. We're going to move to verse 13 now because we're really going to get into the heart of the why. Why? So suppose I've discovered how I've been gifted and how I've been called. What's the why behind it? What am I to do with that? And so in verse 13, we get this beautiful description of what we're aiming at. Until, so the leaders have been given to the church to equip the saints to do ministry until what? Until we all attain to the unity of, of the faith and of the knowledge of the son of god to mature manhood and to the measure of the stature of the fullness of christ some really heavy theological wording that describe the why behind our giftings and he's not just saying Hey, all of you who've been blessed with wisdom, knowledge, and this gift of teaching, we really need you to, to be active in your gifting in the church so we can all attain the unity of the faith and the, and the knowledge of the Son of God and the measure the fullness of the stature of Christ. You go, yeah, we really need that. No, no, no. We need all of the members working, serving. The gift of service, which oftentimes goes unrecognized and is behind the scenes. Let's give you an example of a few that I see here serving. I won't give their name so they can get permission, but did you know that for us to do this on Sunday morning, um, somebody comes every Sunday morning with a leaf blower and blows off all of the parking and driveways and sidewalks and gets it all nice and clean for you? Did you know that? Sometimes we just show up and go, wow, look at that, everything's in place. Did you know that we have volunteers who show up early, early on uh sunday and they go by every row of chairs make sure they're straight make sure the cards are in there in case you need it there's a pen there's all like there's just a few examples of the gift of service and it goes well beyond what i've mentioned and oftentimes it's behind the scenes and not acknowledging what paul is saying is that gifting is just as essential as the gift of knowledge or wisdom or teaching for what for the building up the body of the christ until we all attain this unity of the knowledge of the son of god so if you're one of those who's like, service is my, my gift. That's how I serve the body for the common good. That serving is, is part of us all attaining this, this lofty knowledge of the Son of God. I'd love to come back at some point and really just dig into this, these three phrases here. I'm gonna briefly just talk about this, this mature manhood. Ladies, you're not excused from this. That's just this is a, like a, an illustration um, where the Bible talks about hey, you could be a boy or you can be a man. And we're being called to mature manhood, adulthood, if you want to think of it that way, spiritually speaking, and um, if there's ever been a time in the culture of mankind where you can have an adult body but still be a kid, it's today. Leave that for another time. But you get it, right? Just because you can you grow in a beard does not mean you're a man. You could also be a boy who just shaves. So spiritually speaking, same thing. Just because you've been in church for 20 years does not mean that you're automatically mature in Christ. Just because you've got a Bible and it's in, you know, and it's weathered, you know, and the pages are all, it's all written in, or, you know, you've got your personalized leather Bible bound cover and like your highlighters are there and you've got your system for studying the bible and you're in this community group in this bible study in this prayer group like those are all great things but those things don't automatically mean that you're mature in christ we're being called forward into spiritual maturity in christ hebrews talks about this um, it's not certain who the author of hebrews is i have my suspicions we can talk later But the author of Hebrews talks about the danger of not growing to maturity. And in Hebrews 5, here's what the author writes in verse 12, for though by this time you ought to be teachers, so just talking about some who have that gift, you should be teaching by now, but you're not. You need somebody to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. Then he uses this kind of childhood manhood illustration. He says, you need milk. You're still on milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, since he is, spiritually speaking, a child. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment, trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. We're speaking specifically about the teaching gift and also about this discernment gift. But the point I want to point out is this, how do you get to that place of mature? Uh, maturity in your spiritual life he says here you're you're trained by constant practice first time out on the field it's going to feel a little clumsy but you've got mentors in your life who are coaching you giving you feedback speaking into your life helping to train you so this idea of the measure of, of of maturehood and then he just says it i think very clearly when he says it's the measure of the fullness of christ that's important what are we aiming at what is the portrait of a mature christian his name is jesus it's not the apostle paul it's not pastor jason it's not one of our elders it's not your community group leaders and one of your bible study leaders or your aunt martha who is just this amazing woman of faith she may be she's not the portrait of the measure of the fullness of Christ. We are all individually and collectively being transformed into this image of Christ. Men and women, young and old, the saints and the church leaders, individually, that's what God is up to in your life. If you want to know, What's, what are you up to in my life, God? What are you trying to tell me? What are you trying to do in my life? Now, there may be even more specific things, but it's at least that. The answer is, I am transforming you to look like my son Jesus. You are a brother, you are a sister, you are a sibling and a co-heir with Jesus, and I'm transforming you day by day. The book of Corinthians says glory by glory. Other places, James 1 talks about struggle by struggle, hardship by hardship, experience by experience, you, if you're in Christ, are being transformed into the image of Jesus individually. And that's what he's doing in our church collectively. We come together. Lots of different gifts, lots of different services, and right? We come together to fully display the image of Christ to the world. You are not enough on your own, nor am I. So while God is working on you individually to become more like Jesus, he's working on me, he's working on somebody across the room over here, and as we gather together as the body of Christ, we are looking more and more like Jesus every day if this is being fulfilled in our church. So let's talk for a minute. Actually, let's go ahead and read these last few verses, and then we'll, we'll talk a little bit more. Verse 14 says, So that... We may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes, but rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, it's us, join and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, there's that that joint and that equipped word again, right? Every bone is in place, every joint is in socket. When each part is working properly makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. So what are we aiming at? How do we know when we've attained what God is calling us to attain as a church? Well, unity of the faith and the knowledge of the son of god spiritual maturity into christ likeness to the measure of the fullness of christ we aren't there yet there isn't a church on the planet that is there yet the church exists you exist in what we call or refer to as the now and the not yet you are already a son and daughter adopted into God's family if you're in Christ. Jesus is your brother. And God is still working on you. This is the not yet, quite yet part to transform you into that image. I'll say it this way and it'll be kind of a tongue twister. You are every day becoming, becoming what you already are in Christ, the now and the not yet. So this is not put out as a standard to go, okay, church, when you get here, put it in neutral, you can coast. You can maybe go help out the church down the street and help them get to that place where they're at the fullness of the measure of Christ. No, this is what we're aiming at every day, and we won't attain it in my lifetime. And at the end of my lifetime, uh, we'll, in your life, we're going to hand this thing called the church off to the next generation. That's why I love how God is working with Blake and Jeremy and our church. Like, they matter. They are saints. They are equipping saints in kids' ministry and student ministry. And guess what? We're going to hand this thing off to them. And then they're going to go after attaining the fullness and the measure of Christ individually and as a church. He gives us some indication of how we know we're on the right track. He says, when we are no longer led astray, no longer swept around, he says it this way, no longer children. Remember that illustration? Spiritually immature, right? This is what happens with children. Evidently, when you throw them in the ocean, I've never thrown a child in the ocean, but I think this is what he has in mind, right? You're tossed to and fro by the waves. The waves just have their way with you you've seen that if you've been to the beach with small kids wow the ocean run out and then the first time is boom wave knocks him over right Tossed to and fro what does he mean he means this being carried away or tossed around by every wind of doctrine every new sermon our culture preaches to us every new solution that rolls out like that one that one didn't work so we've got a new one Human cunning, craftiness, deceitful schemes will no longer toss us around individually or as a church, right? That's one indication. And then I love what he says here. Rather, instead of that, here's what you'll, you'll see in a church that's growing is that the church will be speaking the truth in love. So important, the truth in love. Again, this is another one I'd love to spend time unpacking. I'll, I'll be brief today. Speaking the truth in love. Regardless of your church background, if you have a church background, there's a good chance you grew up in a church setting that probably majored on one or the other of those two things. I'm not saying that has to be your story. I just find that true in my own story and others. I grew up in a, in, a, in a church culture when I became a Christian that mentored and discipled me in truth. And the assumption was as long as I have truth right, then everything else will take care of itself. And I wasn't mentored in the love piece. I had friends, though, that grew up in churches that that really majored on love. Really great at doing relationships. Relationships really mattered. Relationships had high value. But there wasn't a lot of truth guiding these relationships. So there was a lot of, like, brokenness in that. People getting mad at each other, breaking up spiritually and not reconciling. There was no truth kind of drawing them back together, stabilizing that relationship. And Paul says, here's how you'll know a church is growing in maturity, because they speak the truth in love. And one of the things that uh, Nick and I shared with our community group leaders this past week is, is how we see God interact with uh, human beings, His creation in the Bible, um, that he, he intercepts our lives, He interacts in our lives, He comes to our rescue at our, our times of deepest need. Like That's the place where God shows up big time in the Bible when, when you see one of His uh, children in deep need. And he shows up with his presence. And out of that, there's this, this gratitude that wells up. And we were referring, I think, to the woman who was at the well. Jesus shows up with his presence. And she's like, whoa, I shouldn't even be with you. And this is right. And I don't feel worthy to be with you. And Jesus shows up anyway. And this, she had deep needs she wasn't even aware of because she'd been stuffing them and like pretending like she didn't have problems. And Jesus is like, you know, digging into her life in a way that was very compassionate, but also very honest and real. And what's crazy is what comes out of that experience is she goes as the first missionary to Samaria. Like she's so overwhelmed by gratitude for her interaction with Jesus. Her love for him is like through the roof that what flows out of that is this beautiful obedience and sacrifice for Jesus. So one of the things we've, we've noticed about church, and we've done it here at our church, is you think about that, that deep need, God provides a presence, he meets us in our need our gratitude compels us into love and that love compels us into obedience and sacrifice sometimes we we short circuit that and we just invite people to love god hey god's worthy to be loved whether he does anything in your life or not that's true and he chooses to do something and so sometimes we just get into this like hey you just need to love god obey god sacrifice go that's all true if that's our focus, then we're, we're landing hard on the truth, but we are not blanketing that in love. This is how, I'll just point you to, to see this in First John chapter 4. John says this, we love God, we love, why? Because he first loved us. You can't go from zero to loving God. We love because he approached us. He came after us. He invited us. He intersected my life. All I had was need. He met me in that need and loved me in that need. And so we love because he first loved us. Matter of fact, if anyone says, I love God but hates his brother, he's a liar. For he does not For he who does not love his brother, whom he has seen, cannot love God who is not seen. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. See, we just start with that, go love your brother command. We don't start in what? God first love you. Again, this is not every church and every experience, but just seeing that more and more. This call to obedience, this idea of like, speaking the truth and love i'm not just using the bible running around just beating people up with it i'm actually moving around in the church engaging in relationship yeah. and loving you because christ first loved me and out of that relationship we have with one another when necessary we open this together and it aligns our lives with christ And sometimes when we do that, it's going to do more work in me, aligning me. Sometimes it's going to do more work in you, aligning you. But never is there a time where I sit down with you and go, hey, I figured it all out. Get your life together. Here, catch. No, no, no. We speak the truth in love. And that'll be an indication that we are a church that is growing and maturing in Christ. And then he ends with this. How does this, all this work? When each part, when each part is what? Working properly. What are the parts? He just told us. We've got church leaderships that have been given, leaders have been given to the church to equip the saints for the work of ministry. When each part is working properly, makes the body grow the church so it builds itself up in love just two chapters before Paul said it this way in him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by his spirit isn't that beautiful that's what God's up to in our church that's what God is doing in our church I want to end with just a few questions for you to think about some reflection here, and we'll put these on the screen for you. I'm going to read these questions, and as I do, I'm just going to encourage you just to sit and kind of think about how God may be speaking to you today. The first question is this, knowing thou that all believers, all believers, all who are in Christ are called to ministry and given the spiritual gift of grace, are you aware of how God has gifted you for ministry? Listen, that responsibility is not all on you. I'm not saying go figure it out and come back and tell us once you figure it out. I'm just asking, are you aware? Because really the responsibility is on church leadership to help you with that. But are you aware of how God has gifted and called you in ministry? What are some of the ways? If you say yes, then what are some of the ways that you've been equipped for ministry? By spiritual leaders and mentors at some point it's going to be your turn help courage mentor that's what Hebrews is talking about by now you should be teachers but you're still on milk and like, hey we got to start growing here here's the third question if you are aware of those things then are you using your spiritual gift for the common good of the church by serving other believers if that's what your gift is for clearly from Scripture. God wants you to know that. You have a gift. You have a calling. Here's what I want you to do with that gift and calling. Serve other believers. And then lastly, I ask this. Are you doing your part to build up the church in love? When each part is working properly, are you doing your part? If you have any questions about what we've, heard today I'm going to encourage you to grab one of our pastors or elders um, we'll be out in the commons if you want to talk more um, you can always sign up for the welcome to SR class we go over this especially in the second part right now what I want to do is I just want to pray over us and as I pray um, we're going to get ready for baptism and so that'll be happening as well but let's just take a moment to pray together um, father thank you for this powerful message from Ephesians 4 uh, thank you God for and um, just the way you're working in our church, you're working in us, you're working in me, you're working in each individual Christian who is here today. It's just so good, God, to be reminded that, that this thing called ministry, this calling is, is really not up to our power. It's something you're doing in us. God, what a beautiful just picture you've given us today that the reason for it all is that we would become more like Jesus. We just want to pray that right now. God, I pray for every individual here that through their experience this morning they would become more like Jesus. And God, I pray for our church through what we've experienced this morning, speaking through your word, that God, you would make us more like your son Jesus. It's in his name I pray. Amen.